Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. We're beginning the book of 1 Corinthians today, so about every three days we'll be in 1 Corinthians, still in Deuteronomy. Now, I've preached through 1 and 2 Corinthians, as those of you who have been involved with the church will know, and so this should be familiar ground to many of you. But always good revisiting God's Word. Every single time I go back to a chapter in God's Word and really dig into it, I see things that I didn't see before or I get applications from it that I never knew before or hadn't really thought about before. So let's pray and ask God's help to do that. Father, thank you so much for your Word, which is living and active. Your Word is alive. Your Word is powerful. Your Word penetrates. And your Word gives life. So we pray that you would do all that through your word in us today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and and ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, 
a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And this is another one of those examples. I think I've said this before, but you know, the last couple of days we were in Deuteronomy 13 and 14. Those chapters are pretty straightforward, you know, fairly simple and drawing out applications a little bit complicated, but there's not there's not a ton of doctrine crammed into those chapters. What's there is clear enough and it's important for us to apply, but I come to a chapter like 1 Corinthians 1 and I just think, how do I do anything worth, you know, close to justice to this chapter in one devotional when, you know, how many sermons did I preach full, you know, 40, 45 minute sermons on on this chapter, multiples, right? Well, let's just focus on a few uh, truths that are clear. And then if you want a more in-depth treatment of the chapter, you're welcome to go back and listen to the sermons that I preached on this chapter a couple years ago. But here's the idea. We are saints. We belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yesterday we were talking about how the dietary laws don't make us holy. This idea of holiness is contained in in verse 2. We are those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. These are both the same word and they're related to the word for holiness. It's all the same word family, right? We are holy. That means we're set apart. We're sanctified in Christ Jesus. By being in Christ by faith, that is our holiness. So we're called to be saints, set apart ones, holy ones, together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Saints isn't a special category of like super spiritual Christians. It's the title, the calling of all Christians. Our sanctification is in Christ Jesus. And if we are in Christ Jesus, we're called to be saints. Not only us, but everybody who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And one thing this should mean for us is unity within the body of Christ. Across denominational lines, across national borders, across ethnic divisions, across political divisions, we are one people, one church, one body in Christ Jesus together with everyone who in every place calls upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. All of us have received grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us belong to him by the grace of God. We have a testimony, the testimony of Christ confirmed among us. 
we are not lacking in any gift. We are, we are called, we are chosen, we are equipped, we are blessed. And it's God's faithfulness that's behind this call. And so this call should lead to unity. We shouldn't look at people and say, well, we're the Presbyterians and they're the Baptists, or we're the Presbyterians and they're the non-denominationals, and so we're better than they are. No, we're in Christ. And we may disagree on points of doctrine. I'm not saying those things don't matter. I'm not saying that what I believe is, is just as valid as what anybody else believes, because I'm trying to be careful with Scripture and faithful to Scripture. But I think all true Christians are trying to be careful with Scripture and faithful to Scripture. So we can say, we may not agree on everything, but the unity we have in Christ, the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, makes us one in Christ in a way that is powerful and that is stronger than whatever it is that might divide us. We also see some other things that are worth noting in this chapter. One is just the truth that baptism is not the gospel. There are some people who make almost a complete equivalence between being baptized and being in Christ. So that if you are baptized, you're in Christ. If you're in Christ, you are baptized. It's interesting. Some people do this who, who baptize infants. And they'll say, for example, that baptism washes away your original sin. It unites you to Christ and his body so that you are justified. You are in Christ. You, you are a saint by baptism as an infant. No, that doesn't hold water. <laughs> Pardon the pun. But it's not true. Like, baptism is a sign and a seal. It's a picture and a promise. It's a visible sign of an invisible grace. But it doesn't actually make you a Christian. Other people on the other side say, well, you can only be baptized if you're absolutely in Christ. If you are a believer, because baptism is 100% corresponding to being a true believer. I don't think that's true either. I think it's a picture and a promise of the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit in uniting us to Christ. And that picture and promise, we believe as Presbyterians, is rightly applied to the children of believers in anticipation of the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, just as the sons of believers would be circumcised. And circumcision was an outward sign of the inward grace of God removing the heart of stone and giving them a heart of flesh was pictured in the circumcision. It's the same thing that pictured in baptism is the work of the Holy Spirit in washing and regeneration, removing the heart of stone, giving us a heart of flesh. It's pictured in the waters of baptism. And if it was given to the infant children of believers in the Old Testament, it should be given to the infant children of believers in the New Testament, knowing in both cases it does not save them. Baptism does not save. Baptism is not efficacious in and of itself to apply the grace that it pictures. And we know that's true because Paul says, I was not sent to baptize but to preach the gospel. If baptism was effective in actually imparting the grace that it pictures, Paul would have baptized everyone he could have when he was in Corinth. And he was there for over a year and a half. But he didn't. He didn't baptize hardly anybody. Because he wanted to focus on preaching the gospel. And he knew that if they came to faith in Jesus Christ, then they would be saved. They could be baptized at some other time by some other person. That's not that vital. It's important. It's important. We don't want to minimize it. But it's not that vital that you absolutely must be baptized because that's where God regenerates you or that's where God saves you or that's where God unites you to Christ. Baptism is not equivalent to salvation. Salvation is by God's grace through faith in Christ. Being in Christ makes us saved. And being baptized doesn't make us in Christ. 
and being, you know, that that's not how it works. And that's pretty clear from what Paul says here about baptism. And just one more thing, and that is that within the body of Christ, we need to be careful not to run after the world in prizing the things that the world prizes. So there's a way in which the church still continues to do this. Like we get so super excited whenever a celebrity, right, comes to Jesus. We're like, yes, one of the powerful people of the world, one of the celebrated people of the world, one of the, one of the rich and, and influential people of the world has come onto our team. How isn't that great? We should pray for them because there is a special pressure that's applied to the lives of a celebrity when they do come to Christ. We should pray for them, but we should not treat them as though they're somehow a better Christian because they're prized in the eyes of the world. Rather, God delights in picking those who are generally speaking not much in the eyes of the world. Not many of you were wise, not many of you were powerful, not many of you were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. You can look at the top 10 of the Forbes wealthiest billionaires in the world and you won't find a believer among them because the rich and the powerful in the world are usually content with what this world has to offer, usually. But for us, who are believers in the Lord, we have a treasure that's better that nothing in this world can buy. And it is by the grace of God that we are in Christ Jesus, who is the treasure that nothing in this world can buy. Verse 30, because of him, because of God and his grace, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. There's four things that all of Elon Musk's billions, all of Warren Buffett's billions can't buy you. Can't buy you wisdom from God, can't buy you righteousness, can't buy you sanctification, that's holiness, can't buy you redemption. Jesus Christ has paid for it, and God's grace applies it to us, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The assistant janitor at the local middle school has just as much to boast in when he comes to the Lord as a Kanye West or somebody like that. They come to the Lord, and the Lord has been gracious to them. Therefore, they can boast in the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, you've been so good to us. Help us to love one another as those who are humble and who know how much we've received that we don't deserve. Help us to focus on your gospel message as that which transforms lives and saves sinners. And help us to walk in humility and in unity as your holy and dearly loved people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for 1 Corinthians 1. Tomorrow we're going to jump back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 15 is on tap for tomorrow. Hope you can join me for that. And as always, of course, have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm-hmm.